Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Tom Williams. Recently, in response to COVID-19, much-needed additional state and federal funding has been allocated to North Carolina's public schools. With the use of these funds, combined with state and local partnerships, more efforts are being made to connect students and teachers to broadband through allocating $1 million for Wi-Fi buses, $11 million for community and home mobile internet access, and $30 million for devices to help address the 197,000 student households still lacking internet access. Over the next two shows, we will hear from students, parents, teachers, and administrators from across the state in a discussion about how students are learning remotely with no or limited home access to the internet. I'd like to welcome to the show Ms. Hannah Wirt from Claremont Elementary School in Catawba County. We're delighted to have you here and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm excited to be here today. We'd love to hear from you how you and others at Claremont Elementary have transitioned to remote learning. Yeah, absolutely. So we were um, blessed that we were kind of in a blended learning experience before. We had used a lot of really great tools in our classroom, such as Flipgrid, Pear Deck that allowed us to give our students feedback virtually. So feedback has been huge, just finding ways to give our kids feedback and to interact with them while they're not in our classrooms now. So for those of them that have access, we've been using a lot of those virtual tools. And for those of them that don't, most of our students, their reality is they have some sort of a device in their home. Um, Catawba County has worked to check out Chromebooks, so some of the students have those, but other ones at least have a cell phone or something like that. So Google Meeting has a great feature. My grade level has been hosting Google Meetings every day with our students, and they can call in on their Chromebooks if they have those. Some of them have desktops, tablets, or they can even call in on a phone using nothing more than their data or any sort of connection they have just through cellular connection. So they can call in and still hear us, be able to talk to us, get real-time feedback, and get their social interaction with their peers. So we've tried to build stuff in where we have time to talk, to communicate, and to give actual lessons. So we've been able to do a lot of great review and move forward in our standards through those Google lessons. We've also been able to incorporate QR codes, which are really great because students can just scan them. Again, if they have a cellular phone, they can use their camera just to scan it for pre-recorded lessons that are aligned to our standards and that help us move forward in our curriculum as well as have some sort of interaction with our kids more than we might have in other situations. So we've been really blessed to use a lot of different tools for that and to be able to meet students where they are with what they have. Thank you for being here. Next, we're joined by Ms. Danielle Eller. Ms. Eller is a kindergarten teacher at Claremont Elementary School in Catawba County. Tell us, Ms. Eller, as a kindergarten teacher, how are you using new strategies for meeting the unique needs of all of your kindergarten students? Well, the first thing that I thought was most important was that I keep it very simple for my families and my students. I didn't want to throw anything at them that was going to be new, especially being in kindergarten. So we all use Class Dojo. And so what I was able to do was prep, prepare, teach, and screencastify every single lesson, literacy, writing, math, all of it, even social studies and science. And I created it in a lesson plan and put it and posted it to my class story. So as long as they had, they picked up their packets, they had their paper pencil packets because we were um, given a directive to have those available. As long as they had that in front of them and I was giving them the visuals so they could see what they, where we were, 
they, uh, they were able to push that button. And it was like we were in school because they were seeing the very same things, whether it was the online curriculums or my, our anchor charts we had done, anything that I could use to give them that visual about what we had been doing. Thank you for joining us. And next we are joined by Miss Suzanne Catawallader. Uh, Ms. Catawaller, we understand that some of your families lack access to broadband devices. Uh, talk to us a little bit about how you um, and your students who cannot connect to the internet have been learning with other methods remotely. Um, because not of all our children have access to the internet or to the devices, we sent home paper packets. Um, we used a lot of different things that the children had already been using in class so that it wasn't something completely new for them and the parents didn't have to learn how to teach using new methods. We sent home some math papers that the children had been using in class. We did the same thing with reading differentiated um, comprehension passages so that the students could still continue reading and answering questions. We sent home our Letterland, which is our phonics program, so that they could keep working on word work and keep working on their writing. And so it was more of a continuation of things that we would do in class, because first grade, it's so essential that children actually use paper and pencil to write in order to increase their literacy skills, that we really wanted to keep that type of thing in place. Um, because not all parents had digital manipulatives or access, we did send home things like a clock if we're learning about time in math. And we sent home um, pattern blocks that they could cut out so that if they're learning about shapes, it was something they could physically use so that not only children would have access to, but the parents would able to use the same type of things that we would use in school. Right. Um, we offered digital options, but a lot of our parents with the work schedule just weren't able to, you know, go on at certain times. So we wanted to make it easy for the parents and easy for the students so that everyone had the same access and the same types of education, just differentiated for different types of learners. Next, we have have James Fry, principal of Claremont Elementary School in Catawba County, who's really have managed the shift to equitable remote learning for all of its students. So uh, welcome, Dr. Fry. We're glad to have you here. Thank you. It's great to be here. So tell us, what role has school and district leadership played in Catawba in the transition to remote learning? I think um, to be able to tackle this um, as well as our teachers have, I think our district has planned immensely um, prior to this experience in investing in professional development on personalized learning. Um, our school district has been really intentional about um, creating cohorts of schools where teachers have worked with education elements um, and some other individuals who've provided professional development on personalized learning. So using technology tools effectively to um, clone the teacher, right? To create screencasts and videos, but then using those technology tools and programs effectively to be responsive to student needs in the classroom. So having that familiarity with all of those platforms um, was really something that uh, the impetus for that change had already been a conversation that we were having as a school district. Um, but the transition, right, every single teacher in my building did not have that same advantage of participating in those cohorts, but they all adapted uh, and really leaned in on one another. So I can't say enough great things about 
the school district leadership and, and their role in providing that opportunity. That's great. You mentioned it a little bit earlier in your comment, uh, maybe some specific things uh, that you've done to meet the needs of all students when you focus on the broader equity issues. Mm -hmm. Yes, so there are a lot of things that we've tried to do um, at the, since the very beginning to, to try to get out in front of COVID-19. You know, initially, um, when we were first starting this journey and we were building remote learning, Catawba County only went a week um, between the announcement of school closure and the onset of remote learning. Um, and a lot of that was due to intentional planning and being really communicative with our families and parents um, early. So we started off by preparing uh, paper packets um, for our families before we really know what the, knew what this was going to look like um, that had personalized and individualized activities in it because we knew we had to give everyone equitable access, whatever that might have looked like. Um, we also worked diligently to prepare um, remote activities that could be completed, completed um, from a blended learning approach. So um, we had, as a school, had a lot of professional development. We've done a book study on blended learning um, and we had uh, been very fortunate to engage in some professional development on uh, creating learning progressions for students so we know where they're, where they're at on a continuum of learning. So when we all came together um, remotely, the sense of community has just been so strong. And I think a lot of that has to do with, we, we went out into the community, we asked every single family, do you have internet access? What kind of devices do you have? We collected that information. If they didn't have a device, we gave them one. Uh, we checked our devices out in the schools. Um, we made sure that all of our materials and our platforms, um, anything that we did could be accessible from a phone or whatever they had. Um, we also, you know, for families that none of those were options, we connected them with local providers, internet service providers who are providing internet um, access for free for the period of COVID-19. Um, we've done that with families. We have individuals whose phones couldn't connect to a, a video conferencing system. They had the paper packets in front of them and they were doing the, the work in the packets, the same things that the teacher would be doing during a synchronous class meeting on Zoom or Google Meet. Uh, and they would be completing that with the class, listening to the teacher on a phone conference. So they're in the same class meeting. They're just not looking at it on the screen. They're looking at it on a packet right in front of them. Right. We've got about a minute left. Uh, maybe a couple of quick thoughts on re-entry plans and things that the state plans and policies for remote learning could be done to would help make the transition between the end of the year and re-entry next year. I think having some consideration for um, creating standard operating procedures and thinking about when we're going online with this new group of students who's not experienced it in this grade level, what does that need to look like? I think having some consideration for having those, if we're not able to come back in the fall, first thing, how do you create those procedures so that everybody has an understanding of how to do online learning? Um, but then also looking at different instructional models and approaches. So thinking about an enriched virtual model, which is one of the models of blended learning. It's already out there. There's a ton of research there, case, use cases of how it works, where we've got online instruction, but then we require some form of face-to-face -face instruction. The structure of that and the schedule of that would be, you know, could be up to the LEA or could be up to the school um, to decide the frequency. It could be, you know, splitting days where you have different bus routes that come in at different times, um, different groups of students that come in, different weeks, you know, the, all the kinds of conversations that we're sort of having. Thank you so much for taking time to be with us today and the work that you and your team at Claremont Elementary and really the broader team in Catawba County Schools are doing. And 
We're going to look forward to looping back with you as we go into the summer and into the opening of the new year, okay? Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you much. Have a great day and stay safe, please. More Education Matters will continue after this short break. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Town Bank, serving others, enriching lives. Joining us now is Allison Etheridge, uh, principal at Madame Mesquite Elementary School in Hyde County. And um, Ms. Etheridge, you're coming to us with a unique hat. You're a school principal, but you're also a parent with two children at home. Tell us how remote learning is working for you from your parent perspective. From the parent perspective, it's been a little bit challenging because I can't get high-speed internet in my house. So we are all working from my phone's hotspot. So if my kids are working on an assignment or they're in a Zoom meeting with their teacher and somebody calls from the school to access me to get some information, they get kicked out of their Zoom meeting or kicked off their assignment or they have to wait until I'm done talking on the phone before they can do their work. So that's been kind of tricky um, with the internet access. Also at the end of the billing cycle, even though I have unlimited access, I can't connect to a lot of my um, devices, so I have to wait until my husband gets home so we can use his phone's access um, or um, go somewhere that we know has high-speed internet. So that's been a, it's been a little tricky. Yes. Well, if you will, um, we've made this shift to remote learning. Um, from your perspective, how are your students and parents and educators managing the remote learning and successful strategies or challenges that you faced? I'm actually really impressed with our teachers and our community here because everybody has just jumped in and tried and some things have failed, but then we try something new, which was pretty awesome to watch. Um, people have been really, um, they, they've been really receiving it well. Um, now we do have a number of people without internet access. So, so that's been challenging. We've been doing paper copies and different things for them. We've done a lot over the phone, a lot over text. Um, so it's been challenging. It's been really hard since spring break, especially with the release of the grading information. Um, the motivation, we've kind of lost a little motivation with a, a lot of our students. Um, but the teachers have been fantastic learning what to do and trying to connect with the parents and connect with the students. And, um, and, and I think um, delivering the food has put a good spin on um, for, for the school that's been well received in the community. So the community is still trying to work with the school as well. We have about 30 seconds left. Tell okay. us, if you were to give parent one, parents one tip, what would it be? Uh, well, I think the best thing you can do is really spend some time at the front part of your whatever you're whenever you're going to do something spend time and train on how to like have some specific things like cross off a list or whatever you're going to do. And that really helps kids get some kind of routine, especially the younger kids. Right. Well, thank you for joining us and joining us now are Marisol and Teresita Campos and Mr. Campos, their dad. Thank you all for being here. Welcome. We know that your students in Hyde County and uh, Marisol, you're a senior this year, and Teresita, you're finishing up middle school. 
Uh, what's it been like doing remote learning in your final years of middle school and now high school? What's it been like? Well, it's kind of hard because it's not like the same thing as being at school. So yeah, it's kind of complicated. Uh, tell me a little bit, because with remote learning, being able to access the internet to get your assignments and upload assignments is really important. How is that working for you? And what's your ability to use the internet? Well, in where we live in the area, we don't have like much signal and we don't have like internet at our house. So what I have to do to connect to my computer to do my work, I have to like use my phone to like data, I have to use it to pass it to my computer to do my work. And what kind of things are you accessing when you go through your phone? Because I guess you're using your phone as a hotspot. Yes. What, what are you accessing from the school to, that you need to do? I use Google Classroom. I see. Yeah, my email, yeah. So you get your emails from your teachers? Yes. All right. Well, Marisol, you're a senior, uh, finishing up, getting ready. What's your plan for next year? Hopefully go to college and go for nursing. Very good. And how has remote learning worked for you as a senior at the early college? What kind of challenges have you faced and how has it been helpful to you? Well, in challenges, well, it's kind of, like my sister said, kind of difficult because it's not the same thing. Obviously, you have to, um, like, do your work, actually, like, really, like, try hard to, like, um, return every, like, work. And, well, the good thing about it is that it's more helpful because I feel like you basically have more objectives, like doing your work and stuff like that. So yeah, it's been a challenge, but we're getting used to it. Thanks for joining us. Next, we have Miss Tequila Midget and her uh, two children that um, Nigel, a fourth grader at Madame Mesquite Elementary and Nyla, who's currently a sixth grader at the early college um, high school. So tell us a little bit about how you've been managing remote learning in your household, Miss Midget. Um, well, we've been managing pretty good. The kids have their daily schedules, um, their daily times and assignments are set up through their teachers and um, it works pretty well. Each kid has their odds and their, their ends. Um, some courses, they have to do video chat with the teacher to do more ex um, explaining, but uh, I think virtual learning is going pretty well, although they would like to be back in school. Sure. But the setup is a very great setup. Tell us a little bit about um, your internet access there at home and devices and how that's working. Well, um, I have a QPad tablet with unlimited internet data, but the children, my sixth grader, was um, given an internet router, a hotspot, which with that hotspot, she can hook up two devices and each child can work um, from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. at night through unlimited data. And both of those can be on there? Yes. That's mm -hmm. great. And other, so really you basically don't have um, broadband internet access. You're having to do it through a hotspot. Correct. Very good. Um, how is your daily schedule working and how are you managing that with the two children? Um, usually we uh, start remote learning around 10 30 
11-ish daily, and we usually run till about 2.30 days, okay. getting everything done, and, you know, it works pretty well. I understand Nyla has the router, and she's at the early college, and her school's getting ready to come to a close, and then Nigel's on the traditional calendar. Tell us about the challenge that presents. Well, currently, right now, it's um, it's going to be a little challenging with finding out, you know, if we're going to be able to keep this router through the end of elementary so that he can continue his work studies. Um, if not, then we would have to make other preparations, such as um, driving about 15 minutes up to the school to use the parking lot Wi-Fi or finding other means with the public library currently closed. Right. Right. Well, Miss Midget, it's been fabulous having you on and um, appreciate you sharing your insights and how you're helping manage um, both Nigel continuing as he gets ready to go up to fifth grade and as Nyla gets ready to move into seventh grade. So thank you so much for being with us. Yes, sir. Thank you. Take good care. Yes, sir. You be safe. Yep. Bye-bye. And after the break, this week's final word. Educators have long recognized and respected the pivotal role parents play in their child's overall development, as well as their academic and social success both in and out of school. While research shows that quality teachers are the single most significant school-based factor in student success, parents are the child's first and most important teacher in setting the foundation for student success in school and beyond. Parent engagement in their child's educational journey is essential in helping their child at an early age recognize the importance of the unique student, teacher, and parent relationship, focusing on the child's positive development and success. Parents and teachers alike will tell us that this relationship looks very different for each child, depending on the individual needs and age of the child. Without a doubt, over the past 10 weeks, our state and national need to move to remote learning has caused a major disruption to the norms of this longstanding parent-teacher relationship. Unlike at any time in our history, schoolwork has now made its way into the home and the very fabric of the child's and parents' regular day. The impact of remote learning on our parents is as unique and diversified as the 1.5 million public school students who enter our classrooms every day. It's fair to say that across our state, no matter what the family circumstances may be, our parents and our teachers have had to make major changes. This is necessary to deepen the parent-teacher relationship, assuring each student learns to the greatest extent possible without the benefit of daily face-to-face -face instruction and personal interaction. Recently, we celebrated Teacher Appreciation Week, and rightfully so, we elevated the amazing efforts of our teachers in reaching out to and supporting every one of their students and parents. Let's celebrate our parents for all they have done to forge new and stronger relationships with their child's teacher and school to focus on and advocate for their child's needs. Thank you, parents. We appreciate you. Keep up the great work as you prepare for the summer and re-entry plans for a new school year. That's it for this week's show. Stay safe and thanks for watching. We'll see you next week.